am Andrea Mohawk Mama, and I'll be your pastor and your guide for this episode of Mohawk Mama Soul. This Soul Care podcast serves to awaken writers and oracles. I like to call us scribblers and speakers into a rest that elevates holy embodiment. This sanctuary that I speak of has so many facets to it. There are many ways to grieve. There is no one right way. But one thing's for sure, grief and transformation will occur in the same space for all of us and yet will be expressed in different ways. And I want to talk about four expressions or facets, however you want to put it, in this next episode where I will journey through my own transformation that's been happening through my personality, my pause, my posture, and my perception. So the four Ps, and we won't take an exhaustive look. We will just want to pique our interest in digging deeper. That's the invitation always. Will we go deeper and go beyond the surface layer. Stay tuned. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Mohawk Mama Soul. This podcast is especially, essentially for the writing soul. We don't focus on the writing craft. There are plenty of podcasts for that. But here, you are the focus. Your own personhood, not just what you produce. So let's go ahead and get started. Ultimately, you are a soul who writes. Writing is work. Writing is rest. It's your movement in the world, the unique embodiment of your freedom. You are a writer. If you hold yourself accountable for documenting, witnessing, journaling, educating, blogging, even writing copy. And this opens up others to their freedom, their imagination, their growth, and their healing. And it does so in such a way so that you are able to be generous with your love, with your gifts, with all of who you are so that it will be an expression of your soul care from the inside out. That's what the Mohawk Mama Soul Podcast is all about, helping you attend to your writing soul. What we do here is notice, nurture, and embody soul care in a culture of scarcity, noise, and frenzy. And so that is what you're welcomed into. And anything that we are talking about will always come back to three foundational things that you notice in order to nurture, in order to embody, even more earnestly and intentionally.
this is your first time, I want to welcome you in to this Soul Care Campfire and let you know that you are right at home. You are in a place where you already belong. You have nothing to prove, girl. And here's what I want to make sure we do first and foremost. I want us to get our headphones on. I tend to speak low. That's just typically what I do. But it might be easier to hear me if you have your headphones on. But it also can become a sanctuary for you where you kind of put everything else, the noise, to the side. Be ready to be a receptive repository so that you can gather in, but then you can release. So you want to be a conduit just as much as a repository. Receive it and then be courageous enough to let go. Choose to experience and let go of expectations for why you're here. Expectations can prevent us from seeing what's right in front of us. Our assumptions color what's really there. Sojourner, I want you to practice looking at yourself. Really look at yourself past who you've been told that you are or who you have believed yourself to be or the part you have played, the roles that you play, the masks that you wear. Let's remove them. Let's remove the prejudgment and critique one layer at a time that normally attach themselves to those very things. Whether you're standing or sitting, with or without a mirror, I want you to pause and trace with your hand a section of your body, maybe your face, maybe your hand, your arm, your legs, maybe your thighs, maybe your belly, your chest, your shoulder. But what I want you to do is allow your hand to trace your holy temple. Welcome her. Welcome her creator and sustainer. Get a keen sense of your embodiment as you untether yourself and discover aspects of drawing in the closeness of who you are and who you are becoming because of who has created you and designed you. It is difficult at times because when we do not notice due to hurry, busyness, avoidance, the lies or dismissal, we will not be attentive to who we really are. And so that, that is where we want to begin. I'm really glad you've joined me here because here at Mohawk Mama Soul, my main objective is to decelerate long enough so that the kind of pause would invite a closer look at the real, the rest, 
and the relinquishing that we can receive far better than what we otherwise would. And so I'm your host, Mohawk Mama, and I'm inviting you to imbibe in all that this episode will have to offer you. So whether that's a little on a micro level or much on a macro level, it really doesn't matter. It's to the degree that you're willing and ready. Here's what I want to say just in our opening about grief. And I must also say that it's not just merely about a certain kind of loss, but it's really about where we can open ourselves up to look at the various places we grieve. Now, my grief, particularly in this season, does draw on a a loss of a person in my life. But I also have a loss of a pet. Now, my pet isn't isn't dead, but my pet had to go to a new home, and there was grief involved. And so we shouldn't have to grade our grief or compare it to another person's grief or to a previous grief we've had or known. But here's what I wanted to say before I did that parenthetical point. In resisting any trauma and in defending ourselves from feeling its full impact, we deprive ourselves of its truth. And so one of the things that grief reminds us is that we're still alive. Think about that. Even in the grief, it hands us a gift and it says that you are alive. And that which you're able to experience right now through the lens of gratitude in light of this grief means so much. So I'm thinking out loud here. And what I'm thinking is this. That sometimes when I speak on the the topic of grief, whether it's my own or someone else's, many times people will get this notion that I'm interchanging grief, the emotion, the experience of that, for that which caused it. They're not the same. They aren't. And that's really important to note. So for instance, when something happens and it's a violation and we're grieved by that violation, that's not the gift. That act is not the gift. The gift, if, if we really truly look at it closely, is in the fact that every human emotion that we have offers us something to show us about connection and disconnection. And so one of the things that grief does present to us is an invitation. In light of what has happened, whether it is a loss of a loved one or it is a loss from a violation or some type of transition, the grief itself is not the same as the very cause that ushered one into grief. And so I'm making that point only because when I talk about 
gratitude in the grief. I don't mean gratitude for what happened. I don't mean I walk around with this morbid kind of outlook. No, what I'm saying is we, and so do I, have to look at my grief as I would look at my joy, as I would look at my pleasures, right? Instead of putting grief in this box, this category, where it's isolated and in exile, I bring it in so I can get acquainted with it. And by getting acquainted with it, I can see the kind of metamorphosis that's happening, not to me, but in me. And even through me, where I get to become a carrier because I have been a receiver. And so when we look at these four aspects, we're just going to simply open ourselves up to noticing. And this is a non-judgment zone. It's about noticing, becoming aware, and then becoming attentive and attuned to the gift that's presented in that change. It doesn't mean we ignore whatever the challenges are, but we see the challenges as an invitation because there's growth there. And so let's go ahead and look at my metamorphosis in my personality. There are a lot of ways that I can describe my personality. And I have done that in some previous episodes, but I'm not so much going to describe it as much as I'm going to just take you inside of what kind of change was happening within my, my natural proclivity and my personality, which naturally, you can ask anybody that's really close to me. I am a questioner. I am the inquisitive one. And I don't question to undermine people. I'm, I'm really truly in my own world. <coughs> pardon me. In my own world, I am always on a discovery. As a child, I always saw every moment as an exploration. And so I just naturally go into questions. Even if I don't ask them aloud, I'm asking them within myself. And one of the things that grief was inviting me to do was to cease, to pause. That's our second P. So it kind of goes into that. To pause, take a little interlude on your questions and just show up. No questions, no answers. Just show up. Show up and be present right here, right now. And so I immediately felt that when I finally got to the hospital, which was about 20 minutes from our home, they were vacationing at a nearby resort and they were rushed to the hospital and we met them there. And 
and I got into the room. And in my pause of all of the questions I had, they didn't go away. They were paused. Like literally I could sense it was a hospitable pause. I wasn't fighting it because I had welcomed it. And I entered that room and I remember my sister-in-law saying, good, Angie's here. Angie's my nickname. Got lots of names, I do. And I saw my mother and I went beside her and it was complete silence for both of us. And I was okay with not knowing any answers or having any questions. It was good enough to stand there and know that I was just with her. I call it the withness. Wasn't that just like love himself? Just the incarnation life of Christ was in that room in a way where it was about withness. And because I had allowed myself to pause my questioning, I could be there and not be somewhere else in my own head, my own mind. My, my emotions were present with my mom's and our tears and our hands collided. And in that moment, I felt so connected and disconnected all in one big pile of a gift. And we stood there. We stood there until they took Big G. And I spoke to him. And in that pause, there was a posture I had that's going into our third P. There was an attitude or an approach that I had. It was one of confession, confessing my love and my utter devotion to him. And I just was so grateful that a man like him came into my life and came into my mom's life and rearranged the way we saw manhood. The perception that I began to have from his life of the kind of man that he was also allowed me to revisit my mom's womanhood, her personhood in all of this. I felt the shift and the change happening that my perception, my point of view, my view of pain, my view of plans, my view of pleasure, my view of beliefs and joy and memories was all coming into a different lens, grief was showing me what only it could do uniquely and giving me a, a new way to see what I've seen before. 
And so one of the things that my personality, my pause, my posture, and my perception invited me into was truth. What is the truth here? Not merely about the situation. What is the truth about you? How you're expressing yourself, how you're interpreting. What is the invitation to part with any falsehood that could be so subtly trying to bring about its own invitation? And I could feel the sense of the urgency for me to perceive in such a way that I was honest. And there was a lot of honesty. And even in times when there was this sense of temptation to not be honest, for whatever reason, there was this this emerging need to say, but the more beautiful pathway is honesty. Not easy, but the more beautiful pathway, the road that leads me to a deeper joy, a deeper fellowship with the beloved and with those he's put in my life to love forever. And so there's that embrace for all of us in our personality and in our pause our posture and our perception, and it will look uniquely different. My mother grieved as a wife, and I grieved as a daughter. And so there were spaces that she could not move in right away that I, I could, and so it was a pleasure to take care of her to take care of her matters at hand, the arrangements that had to all be made, the conversations, the recounting. How is someone to do that as a wife when their husband has passed? For her, she needed to be able to pause her take charge, get it done girl proclivity. And for me, It was an opportunity to step in a space that my mother would normally not let me step into because she handles stuff and to be able to gift her with my service. I want you to think about that. What does service look like in grief? Not because we need to then think about how we can serve someone in our grief, but just what does it look like? it might look different. If you're used to serving in a certain capacity, service might totally be a transformative thing for you. So be really open to what service looks like to oneself and to others. And as you are treading through that pilgrimage of transformation, let it not be something that has to be figured out ahead of time. Be in the moment. And remember, it is, mo- it is in the moment that much 
is happening. And so it is in the little. And we cannot underestimate the magnitude what's happening in the little because we're gaining something there. Even in the midst of whatever it is that we feel like we have lost, there's still something that has been gained. And it's a revealer of the connections that we either long for and have in part, or the connections we long for and we're cultivating. So it's not so much about whether or not we relate absolutely in the manner in which we feel is fitting in that moment. It's that in the moment, we're allowing ourselves to connect and to behold and to sort through in the most kind and patient way. And I want to say this as we really begin to wrap up, and that is, when it comes to tears and grief, we need not feel like one must cry or mustn't cry to indicate how viscerally they are connected to their grief. It could be an indication for someone that they're holding back, but for someone else it may not be. What has to authentically happen is that people are given the space to grieve in the best way they know in that moment. And who's to say that there aren't tears within? So the tears without, they are cleansing. They're good, not a sign of weakness, but really a sign where the strength of one's ability to be vulnerable is. But it's not an absence of vulnerability if one isn't crying. And so we have to really be careful to not judge our grief or someone else's grief, especially in families where children grieve. We have to look at it in a more fuller scope. Yes. Thank you for this time. I'm going to take a moment because my tears flow with both joy and sadness. I am immeasurably grateful for all of the love and kind words that have come to me during this documentary of my anniversary year of my father's passing. There are so many other branches of places in my life this year that I am so thrilled about and celebrating and also places I've grieved over. But grief is re-educating my heart and there's a melody that sounds a lot more like joy juxtaposed with the kind of insight that doesn't diminish what has been but truly does magnify the kind of gifted is and will forever be. So the memory doesn't have to haunt me. The memory can be released to truly 
gift to me in every day, in every moment. And so I know that this is not the easiest episode to listen to on grief, this series, but it is good. And so in that, I want to just leave you with a little bit of an advice. And maybe you already know this, but for those of you who do not, I want you to remember that any greeting card or any quote on grief that you see or hear that goes a little something like this, time heals. No, it doesn't. Only love can go into wounded places and heal us. Time can't do that. Time measures stuff. It doesn't heal the soul. Love has that prerogative. Remember that time doesn't heal. Love does. So as you remember that, remember to rest, relinquish, receive, and repeat it. Because that is a pathway to shalom, peace, wholeness, a well-being that still allow us to not necessarily be so well with everything, but to grow and bloom where we are because of love. Shalom. If you're wondering how to find out more about the Soul Care Classrooms, then just visit MohawkMamaStudio.com and then go to the hashtag Soul Care Classrooms hub tab and the details are there. One more thing I want to mention is that when we're thinking about how we refer to our own embodiment, we must remember to keep the human element about our bodies ever so present, to keep the kindness in view. Because one of the things we must also realize is that our body is us. This is the gift we've been given to have full expression of the activity of our humanity. And she is not part of us, but she is us. And so when you are referring to your own embodiment, refer to her in terms of endearment. Until we get together again, Shalom Sojourner. Shalom Mom's podcast is your friends. Jesus is always with your heart and he loves you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.